This is Agent to Agent Remarks. My name is Jeff Lavelle. I am a real estate broker and property manager with The Brokerage, a real estate firm just outside of Las Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. Agent to Agent Remarks are those comments in the multiple listing system that aren't shared with the general public. They're just those private comments between the real estate agents. And so this series is going to focus on fun stories, not so fun stories, and all those little things that you don't always get to hear about. And it's far from reality TV. It's the real part of real estate. So sit back, relax. Let's talk about some real estate. And thanks for stopping by. Well, hello, everybody. Jeff Lavelle, broker of the brokerage, a real estate firm. Man, I have been away from the, the, the microphone here for more than a minute. It's uh, It's been, oh God, at least two years. And that's embarrassing to say because I've thought about getting back to this podcast, Agent to Agent Remarks, for quite a while. And I just keep finding things that I have to do instead. So I said to myself, if I don't get there now and I don't start doing this again, I'm just going to keep finding things to do instead. But all good things. There have been productive things. I haven't been sitting around wasting away. Uh, If you know me in person, you know that's not true. Uh, (laughs) In fact, that's on the list of things to do is waste away a little bit. Um, So we're back and I'm working on getting a, a set together for you of people to bring to the table to talk to you about uh, the real estate world, not just real estate, uh, you know, drolling on, but things that are exciting and different and related to real estate. So, um, you know, I figure we're back to round one, square one, whatever you want to call it. Why don't we go off with the document, the thing, the alpha omega that, that basically real estate licensees are required to eat, breathe, and sleep. The Nevada duties owed. Uh, and I know that <laughs> if you know the duties owed, you probably have already glazed over and started to drift off into a deep sleep. But it's an important document. And really, it's the document, like I said, the Alpha Omega that, that really uh, the Nevada Real Estate Division uses to compel our behavior. So um, let's talk about it. It's, it's not it's not overly complicated, but it does find its way into pretty much every af- aspect and facet of complaints brought against licensees. So, um, you know, bear with me. And if you find anything that's different that maybe you disagree with, I'm always happy to uh, debate and chat and respectful, of course. But, um, you know, I like to talk about these things. That's is what makes me kind of a dork. Um, so if there's any other dorks out there that want to talk about the duty zone, you know my number. So let's jump into it. So first and foremost, as I like to preface most things this way, none of the things I say on here are tax or legal advice. It's really just discussion. Uh, I am a Nevada licensed broker. I have been a Nevada licensee for uh, going on 18 years now. And the last six years of that, I've been a Nevada real estate broker. Um, and we'll do another podcast on what the differences are and the nuance to it. But suffice to say, I do have a pretty decent competency of what this form is and what it isn't. And um, if you've, it's available on the Nevada Real Estate Division website. It's a state-issued form, and it says very much at the top, this form does not constitute a contract for services nor an agreement to pay compensation. And this form is to be provided to all parties when uh, you're first encountering them. So if I'm a buyer's agent and I've uh, you know, met a couple at an open house and, um, you know, one thing leads to another and they like me and I like them. And 
Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give them this form. Um, they don't have to sign it. I have to provide it to them is the main thing. So, uh, but you know, and when you're in real estate school, they teach you that this form is the first form that helps your client get comfortable signing documents. Um, and as a new licensee, or I should say a, a aspiring licensee, I was so excited about this form and, you know, oh, this, there's a way of kind of convincing people to start signing documents. And as I've been doing this long enough, I can tell you that you shouldn't need to convince your clients to sign stuff. But if you're going to give them something right off the bat, this should be part of that uh, that package. So in Nevada, licensee, a real estate licensee is required to provide a form setting forth the duties owed by the licensee to A, each party for whom the licensee is acting as an agent in the real estate transaction, and B, to each unrepresented party to which the real estate trans to the real estate transaction, if any. And so on occasion, we do run into that person who doesn't want a real estate li uh, licensee helping them. Um, and I guess I should kind of, I don't know, I, and I do this a lot. If you know me, you know I, I bounce around a lot. I've got all these things going on in my brain, but um, I, I'm referencing a licensee, a licensee, a licensee. So um, you're probably like, oh yeah, my friend is a realtor. I've never heard somebody refer to me as an, oh yeah, my friend, the real estate licensee. Um, everybody refers to me as a realtor. Um, and you know, since it's not a realtor or a realtor, or no, it is a realtor. <laughs> it's just so habit for me. It's not a realtor or a, what else did they say? Oh, he's a realtor. He's a Real, re, I don't know. They butcher it. Inevitably, people are able to butcher this this very simple word, realtor. So every realtor, right? Every realtor is a real estate licensee, but not every real estate licensee is a realtor. And we'll get right back onto the duties out. I know that you're all so upset that we've trailed off onto a tangent here, but. Um, and if you're one of my agents listening to this, you are doubly uh, masochistic because you probably have heard this from me before. But so we're all licensees, but we're not all realtors. Um, but every realtor is licensee. So that is to say that every real estate licensee um, is licensed by the state that they are in, in my state of Nevada. Um, but that not every real not every real estate licensee chooses to be a realtor member which um, being a realtor is another topic altogether. But um, that's why I'm, I'm referencing licensee. And of course, that's because the form is for Nevada licensees, not Nevada realtors um, specifically. So let's go back. Um, and the form goes on to describe the licensee, their license number, um, who the client is acting on behalf of. So, you know, is it a buyer? Is it a seller? Um, are there one, two? Is it an, an entity? Um, an entity would be like an LLC or a corporation. And then it names the broker, uh, the crazy person who decided to throw their uh, license and their livelihood and their neck on the line to uh, allow their company to practice the, the, uh, the, the wonderful art of real estate. And then the company that we um, are with. And then it goes on to talk about the additional licensees involved in the transaction. And that would be, for example, you hear about a lot of, a lot of times the team the real estate team. And so that would be who uh, is the additional licensees involved in the transaction. So um, the, the duties that I owe to all parties are to not deal with any party to a real estate transaction in a manner which is deceitful, fraudulent, or dishonest. So basically, I can't lie to you. I can't deceive you. I can't take you down a road uh, that you don't want me to take you down. And that's with anybody. That's, you know, Bob and Nancy, who I meet at the grocery store, Jane and Jan, who I meet at the, you know, open house, whoever it is, I can't 
deal with that person in a way that's contrary to uh, my duty to them to be fair, honest, ethical. Uh, number two just says I have to exercise reasonable skill and care with respect to all parties to the real estate transaction. So um, I'm a real estate licensee, not a home inspector, but as a real estate licensee, I have to exercise care that is reasonable for anybody who's licensed in real estate. And, and that can be a very sticky little word, reasonable. It doesn't define what I'm doing uh, necessarily with just the word reasonable, but it's it's expected that somebody with 20 years or 18 years or 10 years are all going to have different levels of competency and care, but that there's also going to be a standard by which they should all have a basic knowledge of the practice. And so that is a big part of that reasonableness. And then third, to disclose to each party of the real estate transaction as soon as practicable. And this is a word we like to laugh about because I don't know that there's actually a definition for the word practicable, but the point is as soon as possible really that uh, A, any material and relevant facts, so any material fact or relevant fact, data or information, which licensees know or with reasonable skill and diligence, the licensee should know about the property. So I have to disclose material facts, relevant facts, as well as data or information which the licensee knows or with reasonable skill and care should know. And you know, there's an ex you know an example would be when I go to a house. I'm not a home inspector, but I do know that there's certain aspects of a home that need to be um, in place or or uh, should be there. But I also should know things about the area that I live in. So one of the things that we brought up or what was brought up in a continuing education class that I, I took many years ago was the Pepcon explosion. And so Nevada had a perchlorate manufacturing plant called the Pepcon. I'm sorry, that is not the right word. Uh, Pepcon, was it Pepcon? Hold on, now I'm, yeah, it was Pepcon. I'm thinking of Timet, Timet exploded recently. But the Pepcon plant, so yeah, anyway, um, I wasn't here in, the, in eight, 1989. But this plant exploded. It was a rocket fuel plant that produced perchlorate, and um, it absolutely devastated the area around it. Now, the good news was it was the 1980s. There was nothing around it. Um, but there were uh, homes and other buildings and, and whatnot within a sufficient radius that this thing exploded, and it shook the foundations. It cracked chimneys. It um, uh, cracked roof tr trusses and other structural load-bearing supports that uh, could... Uh, be impacted even today. And so even though I wasn't practicing real estate in 1989, even though I didn't live in Nevada in 1989, it's expected as one of these covered items here that with reasonable care and diligence, I should know about the Pepcon explosion and the impact it had on properties that were built at the time, especially properties within a certain radius. So it also says 3B, each source from which a licensee will receive compensation. And this to me is an interesting one because it goes into um, the licensee may not be benefiting uh, from different sources of, of uh, enrichment, but the licensee's company may be. And there's been a push for different companies to expand their um, revenue streams. And so they've opened real estate companies, of obviously, but then they've opened these lending companies and title companies. I'm just waiting for them to open the home inspection company so that you can now have the real estate agent, the title company, the lender, and your home inspector all under one roof, um, which just to me is a, a really 
potentially problematic situation that if not properly disclosed and really diligently looked after could lead to a bunch of problems that, you know, personally as a licensee, I wouldn't want to be a part of. But having said that, there is no expectation that the brokerage disclose that in a offer situation. For, so for example, if a buyer were um, encouraged to use a specific title company, the seller wouldn't know that that title company was owned by the company that the buyer's agent worked for. So buyer's agent works for a company, they own the title company, and the seller doesn't get that disclosure as part of their original offer presentation. And the purpose of title and escrow, which we'll go into in another podcast, is neutrality, right? Third party, neutral third party. They're there to ex- you know, execute the contract with the parties as it's written. So I should say not execute because that makes you think I'm talking about signing it. But um, to... Um, go through what the parties expected. They're, they're the facilitators that make sure that everything happened the way it's supposed to, as, as agreed to by the parties. So, but a better example of this, because I, again, I like to get in these weird tangents because my brain doesn't stop. It would be similar if, let's say, the buyer's agent was also um, the spouse of a contractor. Let's say their, their spouse is a contractor and their spouse was gonna be doing some work on the property that disclosure should be made because the licensee is presumably going to benefit from their spouse's work and bringing that money into the household or whatever the case may be. And lastly, number four for duties to all parties is to abide by all other duties, responsibilities, and obligations required of the licensee in law or regulations because we don't just have Nevada Revised Statute, we have Nevada Administrative Code, and those are the two um, bodies, I guess you could say, that, that govern the real estate licensees activity. So then it goes into specific duties that are owed to a client. So the first section was to everybody, and those are inclusive into the second section, which is the client specifically. So, you know, you have called me and said, Jeff, I've heard you are absolutely amazing in all ways, shapes, and forms, and I want you to be my real estate licensee. Would you list my home for sale? And of course I would. And so these are the responsibilities I have to you as a seller. Uh, Exercise reasonable skill and care to carry out the terms of the brokerage agreement and the licensee's duties in the brokerage agreement. And the brokerage agreement is just the agreement that says that I have the right to represent you in the sale of your property. And so again, reasonable skill and care as we had in the upper section there to all parties uh, because again, you do have an expectation of, of certain competencies as a licensee. Number two, not to disclose except to the licensee's broker confidential information relating to a client for one year after the revocation or termination of the brokerage agreement unless the licensee is required to do so by court order or the client gives written permission. So I haven't really run into many situations in my career yet where um, you know, confidential information is being put out in the world. Um, an example I would say is the Graham Bliley Leach Act, I think is what it's called. And that is the disclosure of your client's identities in social media and other published areas. That's one aspect of the Graham Bliley Leach Act or the whatever it's called. Um, so you, you know, I, I personally take my client's personal information and what do you want to call it? 
uh, announcements to the world that they have transacted in real estate. I, it's not my business. It's not for me to disclose that. It's not for me to highlight it on my social media page unless I have their permission. I mean, that's that's certainly part of, uh, you know, social media today is putting things out there. But I, I feel like it's, it's kind of up to them. It's kind of up to them to put that out there because you never know who you're friends with that they didn't want to know what was going on or... Uh, and that's their, you know, that's their deal. Like there's no reason for me to be a part of that. And and so I leave those, I take pictures of my clients during the process, um, you know, candid photos sometimes, and I give them to them because, you know, it's not my experience. I'm just there to, to kind of make sure the whole thing goes well. Number three just says to seek a sale, purchase option, rental, or lease of real property at the price and terms stated in the brokerage agreement or at a price acceptable to the client. So basically it says do your, do the client's bidding. Go out there and find a sale or a purchase, um, rental, lease, etc. that matches what they told you they wanted. And this is another thing that just boggles my mind. I can't tell you how often I get a buyer or, um, well, mostly buyers in this, this circumstance, but a buyer will call me up and say, hey, you know, my friend referred me to you because I'm never too busy for your referrals. My friend referred me to you and they said that you were, you know, mediocre at best. But my current agent isn't even mediocre. But the, the thing that they run into is that the agent is showing them homes that are much more expensive than what they were pre-qualified for. And I've never understood, or, or it doesn't have the bedrooms they need, or they keep telling them, oh, this is good, do you like this? And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just have never understood that not listening to the client part. Like if they've said to you, I want X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to show them A, B, and C. Like there's no reason to. They want X, Y, and Z. So this thing that exists out there where you're showing them things that that don't fit the criteria is just, it seems like a big waste of time. So you, you, they want you to go out there and do those those things, to seek a sale purchase option that is acceptable to the client. Present all offers is number four, and this is a fun one. Present all offers made to or by the client as soon as practicable, there's that fun word again, unless the client chooses to waive the duty of the licensee to present all offers and signs a waiver of the duty on a form prescribed by the division. So, um, you know, this goes to not making decisions for your client in its simplest form. You are responsible for putting the offer in front of the client and let the client decide what is and isn't acceptable. Um, let them, with consultation or in consultation or, or however you want to say that, decide how much they want to count or if they want to count. But the point is, you know, if it comes to you on a cocktail napkin, you've got to present the offer. Now, I, I don't think that you need to present necessarily present verbal offers. I've never really believed that a verbal offer is sincere. Um, you may have some verbal negotiation that goes on, which again can be very sloppy. But um, you know, the point of it is to do what your client instructs you to do and to uh, present those offers to them so that they can so 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 as a buyer, you know that the seller was given an opportunity to respond to you. So the buyer's agent presented it to the listing agent, the listing agent presented it to the seller, and there's a response. And that's very important. It's a critical part of not only the Nevada statute and administrative code, but it goes into another item, the, Nevada, the, the National Association of Realtors Code of Ethics, which we'll go into in another podcast. You see there's a pattern here of more podcasts to come. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a, it's a huge thing. And in a market like we are in today, you know, this is 
February 28th. Um, in a market like we're in today in uh, 2022, where there is no inventory available, uh, buyers are going to be suspect and list, buyer's agents are going to be suspect of seller's agents that are not completely transparent in the sense that they need to be providing those written documents. I'm not saying you should be telling your clients uh, personal information like how many offers, uh, what, what the offers are. You, know, you can tell them the number of offers, but when you get into the specificity of what the offer details are, you get yourself into potential uh, trouble. So, and I will argue anything, I will argue that point with anybody that wants to argue with me, but Number four just says to present all the offers. And and that's really important that they are presented, that they're presented as soon as practicable, which is timely, and that you get a written response for the offering party. It is very important to do that. And I I, I have had offers. I have had I had a property this was this was probably six months ago. It was no it, the market was different, but it wasn't markedly different than it is today. And I had a property that had thirty two offers on it, and I knew when I listed it, I knew I was in for it. I mean, you just kind of push enter on the or you know click OK on the mouse and submit your listing to the MLS, and you just take a deep breath because that's the last bit of quiet you're going to have for the next like six or seven days. And so, yeah, I mean, I got every one of those agents a signed rejection. And the funny thing about it is I also send a really quick email, but a sincere one at that, that just says, hey, dear agent, I really want to thank you for taking the time to write this offer for your client and for your client to take the time to go look at the property. I'm equally frustrated with the lack of inventory and I am appreciative of your clients, um, you know, interest in the home, but it didn't work out this time. So, you know, please accept the sign rejection with our, our thanks and our gratitude. And, um, you know, should something happen, I'll, I'll definitely reach out to you. And I can't tell you, probably two out of five people will reply back to me and say, wow, I didn't expect an actual rejection. Thanks so much. It means a lot. Thanks for the kind words. I mean, we're all in this market. It doesn't mean we're in it together, but we're all in this market. And so it's just nice to know that there's some acknowledgement of the, the turmoil that people go through to get this, this uh, offer presented. Number five says to disclose to the client material facts of which the licensee has knowledge concerning the real estate transaction. So I go to the house uh, on Sunday and, and the sellers say to me, hey, Jeff, you know, we had a had a water problem this one time and you know we didn't notice it for a couple months and I don't know it started to smell in the bathroom so we cut the wall open and we found out there was like some I don't know black stuff on the wall we didn't get a test or anything but you know we just kind of sprayed some bleach on it and closed it back up and so anyway what can we list the house for well I'm going to encourage that the sellers on the seller's real property disclosure form disclose that little substance that they just glossed over. I'm going to, I'm going to express the importance of sharing that material fact with buyers. Now, if they don't want to disclose it, chances are I'm not going to take that listing. I'm going to terminate the contract and I'm going to move on uh, because it, it tells me that they're not honest in their dealings. And I don't want to be caught up in dishonest dealings, especially... <laughs> If they're not my own dealings, um, but you know, I'm going to probably terminate that seller because I then have to disclose that material fact. And how does that look when I call up the buyer's agent and I say, "Hey, I know it doesn't show up on the seller's real property disclosure form, but my sellers had some mold upstairs, and I just wanted to make sure you knew about it." 
do you think that those buyers are going to want to work with that client? Do you think they're going to want to? So it, it just sets a bad tone when your clients aren't willing to disclose those facts and make you do it. Now, one area where this might, and I don't even know if I would agree with this, but I could see some opportunities where maybe a property manager who's managed the property for 10 years and really was the, the person on the boots on the ground doing the management of the property would all of a sudden recollect during a transaction that there was something in the history that they had forgotten to disclose prior. Uh, that might be an opportunity to disclose something that your seller wasn't disclosing, but you know, really anything that the, the agent is aware of that could be useful to the client, and it's so hard to always decide what useful and what isn't useful, but I really feel like the more I give the client to make the decision of to buy the home or not, the better off you are. And so I think that's really important to disclose the material facts. Number six says, advise the client to obtain advice from an expert relating to matters which are beyond the expertise of the licensee. So that's, you know, that's a lot of stuff. You're getting a home, you've got uh, soils reports and uh, foundational things. And, you know, these, these are things we don't deal with on a regular basis. But you do have home inspections and you have uh, pest inspections and you have maybe a roof inspection or HVAC inspection. There's all these different elements of a property that you as a licensee may be knowledgeable about. You know, I, I know a lot about this stuff because of what I do. Um, in addition to sales, I'm a property manager. So I deal with the day-to-day -day nonsense that goes on with homes. So I, I'm knowledgeable about all these things, but I'm not in any way, shape, and form or form uh, licensed by the state to make these decisions or advise my clients. So I'm always advising them to seek the competent advice of a or the advice of a competent person, so a competent plumber, a competent roofer, uh, people who I I have had good dealings with, who my clients have had good dealings with, um, or I'll refer them. Say, hey, you know what? I don't I I don't have somebody that I can, you know, give you for that. Um, so you should contact the state regulatory body, and maybe they can have you or give you a referral. Even on the we have a, a form called our Choice of Home Inspectors form that at the bottom gives the client the information for the Nevada, uh, the licensing division of Nevada's home inspectors so that they can look up home inspectors that have various credentialing and stuff. So it's it's really a, an important thing to advise your clients to seek that advice because it can have such really severe impact on their long-term success in the property. If they if they start out, you know, they say you make your money on the purchase, right? You make your money in a real estate transaction on the purchase of that transaction. And so if you miss something like a, a bad wall, um, God bless her, I have this really wonderful client that bought a house um, with another agent. And that's, uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> People go, oh, are you upset that they bought a house with someone else? No, I'm not upset. I mean, it would be nice to be able to do every single real estate deal for every single person I know. But the fact is, they know more than one realtor. And sometimes there's other reasons to work with other people. So as you can tell, I'm annoying. Uh, and so that's one reason not to work with me. But uh, she bought this house. And, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know the exact story about it. But the wall in the back of the house that retained the wall behind or the, the, the property behind that home was really probably in pretty bad condition when she bought the home and should not have uh, passed, um, you know, it shouldn't have gone on that way. It shouldn't have been purchased with that wall in that condition. But the client didn't know any better. And so instead of saying, you know, this wall looks a little suspect, or as my kids say nowadays, sus, dad, that is sus. Um, <laughs> they'll go out and 
Um, I'm like, you need to have a home inspection. You need to have a structural engineer. You have a mason come out. And you need to do those things because that costs this client thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just to bring her property up to acceptable condition. Not improving it really, but just bringing it up to what's considered acceptable. Um, account to the client for all money and property the licensee receives in which the client may have an interest. So this is really one of those things that is more for property management. We don't see many, if any, companies taking earnest money deposits on behalf of the transaction anymore. It's all done via wire transfer. Um, so that is not uh, really common, but this is really pertaining to real estate property managers who are permitted property managers in Nevada that, uh, well, I guess any licensee could take a deposit for a seller that uh, is le leasing a property, um, but initial deposits. But this is important to account for the money, to make sure you know where the money is and where it is at all times and where the money was paid out and to whom and why, etc. So there's some really, really interesting uh, trust account reconciliation talks that we could get into later on. But I, this is, you know, we spent, you know, almost 28 minutes now on one form that, um, you know, it really does come down to our most basic principles in real estate. And then it goes into this one last section. The licensee acting for both parties. Now, you'll hear this referenced sometimes as people will say, oh, he double-ended or he's a dual agent. We don't have dual agency in Nevada. We have multiple representations. So when you hear somebody say, oh, it's dual agency or they're a dual agent, that is incorrect nomenclature for Nevada. We have multiple representations. So there is this section that just says the licensee may in the future or may not in the future act for two or more parties who have interests adverse to each other. So that would be the typical situation is representing a seller and also representing a buyer. That is a very easy way of getting into multiple representation. It's also a very easy way of getting yourself into trouble potentially. Um, again, when you have two parties who are adverse to each other, um, the seller wants the highest price possible, the buyer wants the lowest price possible. In most markets, this market's a little different. But let's just say that that's their intention. It's hard to operate in those conditions, exercising all the other duties, right? All these other duties that you've heard um, while doing it for both. You know, you have to do it for both parties in a way that is, um, you know, fair, honest, ethical, all the things we talked about before. And setting that ground rule with the client up front saying, hey, I want you both to understand that this is how I'm going to operate. This is who I'm going to be during the rest of the transaction. I think you act more as a mediator of sorts in these deals than you do um, the traditional real estate agent who is you know, solely representing one client. And this, is, this also kind of goes into um, one more thing I want to make a comment on. I hear this all the time, and, and I, was, I was guilty of it for a long time, but the comment of, well, I have a fiduciary responsibility to my client. We don't have, as Nevada licensees, a fiduciary. And frankly, it's a good thing because we don't want to have a fiduciary. A fiduciary is that highest level of care that we have to exercise. Attorneys have a fiduciary, for example, to their clients. We have a list of duties. That's why this is the duties owed and not the fiduciaries owed by a Nevada licensee. So it's important to 
not misuse the word fiduciary, especially licensees that are using that to their, you know, to to puff themselves up with their clients. I hear that sometimes where an agent will say, well, I have a fiduciary to my client. Well, you don't want your client to think you have a fiduciary to them when you don't. You have a duty to them. So for those licensees that may not, uh, that may be listening to this and have not dozed off yet, um, don't use that word. That's a it's a naughty word. You're well. Talk to your broker. I'm not going to tell you not to use it. Talk to your broker. Maybe your broker wants you to use it. But the agents here at the brokerage real estate firm, we use the word duties uh, because that's what we have. We have a duty to our client. So I've got a list of other podcasts that we're going to have for you. Um, we're going to mix them up so they're not all drolling on like this. Um, <laughs> just. Uh, one form being discussed ad nauseum. But I, I did get a really wonderful comment from um, somebody via email before, you know, COVID and everything shut down. And, um, you know, I was just in damage control mode, making sure that, you know, everybody was taken care of that said she really thought my my podcasts were great, especially because she was newer and it was giving her a lot of really great information. So to you, if you're listening, thank you again. I, I have not forgotten that comment. It has actually uh, brought me quite a bit of satisfaction and I, I hope it continues to, as we move forward, help me in uh, in making good content. But um, speaking of COVID, yes, COVID happened. It was over, thank the Lord. We had a, actually our businesses, uh, my business, my agent's business um, has not ever been better, which was really kind of contrary and counterintuitive as well. I did learn to make some wonderful sourdough bread. <laughs> I think everybody started making bread. I made bread. I ate a lot of bread. Um, you know, I, I, what else did we do during COVID? You know, we bought some more chickens. We had great egg supply the whole time. Um, you know, we, I mean, you know, I don't know. I think looking back at COVID and kind of retrospectively, although we're not terribly far away from it at this point. But the first couple months were were really actually kind of enjoyable. I was spending a lot of time with my wife and my kids and, um, you know, uh, trying to, my wife was amazing. She did an amazing job, um, you know, doing homeschool with my kids because we took our kids out of school entirely and just went to homeschool because it was just honestly easier than having to try to follow up with the constant assignments and homework and Zoom classes and Ugh, just all the things that these poor parents and, you know, my wife fortunately was able to stay home and, and do that. And I just don't know how many, how so many people were able to get through it the way they did. But um, anyway, it was a lot of fun at first. I think it was, um, and I say fun being the sense that we were healthy and we weren't dying of COVID. But um, the the point of it was, it was a nice experience to be with my kids, with my wife, um, you know, trying to navigate all of the new things that were changing every day with our industry. Cause of course there were rental moratoriums and eviction moratoriums, all sorts of moratoriums and things that we were dealing with at the state level. And so it was like a constant moving target. Uh, but I made some really, really great friends actually through that whole thing. I became very involved in the, uh, the Nevada chapter of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, which is known as NARPM. And, um, I was very, very nice. Uh, kudos I received to be ele- elected the president of NARPM, which I have then, I have since stepped back from, and my good friend uh, Paul Rich has taken over that role. I, I've just been uh, overwhelmed with work, and Paul um, has been kind enough to step into that role. But in any event, um, I think a lot of good things came from it, and I think that's just part of life sometimes is taking 
the crappy situations that are dealt to to us or however you want to say it and then just doing our damnedest to get through it and you know i think sometimes it's like a bad relationship you know i look back at covid and i think oh you know it wasn't that bad but it's like looking back at a you know person you used to date and thinking you know they weren't really a piece of crap um (laughs) we had nice times and then you're like no wait a minute they were they were terrible and that's why we broke up (laughs) so um i don't know i feel like that's kind of uh what the way i look back at covid right now but anyway i've got a lot of good stuff to bring to you if you like the podcast like and subscribe is that a thing i hear people on youtube say it so i'll say it like and subscribe um, it's anywhere you can find podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, other fun places, which I don't even know where they're all at. But share it too. You know, hey, if you know somebody who's in real estate and you don't think I'm terribly annoying, feel free to share it with them. Or you know what? If you do think I'm terribly annoying, maybe it's something you two could bond about while you make fun of my voice or something. So uh, good people to come. I promise you I'll have some funny characters on here with me. I work with the most wonderful people on the planet. I love them all dearly. And I hope to bring them all to you over the next uh, several episodes. So not all of them in several episodes because I know more than three people. But uh, it's going to be a good time. I hope you stick around. Thanks for joining me. This is Jeff Lavelle with the Brokerage Real Estate Firm and Agent to Agent Remarks.